This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 304 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. And you, our auditors and supporters of the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop I am Glenn Geek, And I'm Lisa Wysocki And you're listening to the Stable Scoop radio show On the Horse Radio Network Well hi Lisa Hi it's good to have you on the show. Helena is off today. She had something to do with her child in school, I think a field trip or something. I think well, she... I'm honored to have to take her place. I, they're still in school up, up there, and I think they're going to be in school to about August after all the snow days they had in New England. So, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of places are like that. And like most schools, they're, they're needing of chaperones, uh, parent, parental chaperones. They can't get enough of them, so she went off to do that today. So I hope she's having a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure that she is. It'll be a blast. And I wanted to remind everybody that next week on the show will be our Getting to Know the Hosts week. So we did these interviews with each other. Actually, I interviewed Helena, and she interviewed me. And we're doing an Inside the Actor Studio kind of interviews of the hosts of non-horsey stuff. Oh, how fun. So we, I learned a lot about Helena I didn't know, and I've known her for 12 years, and I think she was surprised at some of my answers. So I, I think the audience <laughs> will like that. That'll be coming up on next week's episode. You'll get a little behind behind our lives here at, uh, at the Stable Scoop Show. Well, Lisa, radio. Lisa is an author, a motivational speaker, an equine clinician, uh, a, a substitute co-host here on the Horse Radio Network uh, quite often, it seems like. And has written many books and uh, uh, has done many, many different things in life. But tell us what you're up to now. What's the latest? You know, I, I've got so much going on, Glenn. It's just, it's just amazing. Um, the first is I've got a new book coming out in August. It's called Therapy Horse Selection. And uh, if you've ever wanted to donate a horse to a therapeutic riding program, it talks about that. If you're a therapeutic riding instructor or have a center, it's going to teach you all the, all the things you need to know to pick the right horse for, for your center, and that comes out in August. And uh, pre-orders are available in July. It's not up online yet, but it will be soon, and there's more information on my website. And uh, next week, I'm so excited, I'm going to the American Horse Publications Awards in um, Charleston, South Carolina. It's also their annual conference, and I'm Speaking on one of the panels, but my book, uh, my mystery, The Magnum Equation, in which uh, the horses in the morning crew are featured, is up for the Book of the Year award. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. I'm, I feel I'm like really I'm excited. part of it. Well, you are part of it, Glenn. <laughs> you and, and Jamie <laughs> and Jen and everybody, you know. On, and on to let everybody know show. who hasn't read it, I am not the murderer. I'm giving that away. I didn't. No, do. no. But here's, here's a really cool opportunity. I'm, uh, this is the, the third book in the series I'm writing now, and it's called The Fame Equation. And I support a charity called Colby's Army. And so what we're doing is if somebody would like to be in the Fame Equation, they could be in there with their horse or their dog. It could be a character. If they make a $300 donation to Colby's Army, uh, the first three people that do that, uh, I'll work with them and I'll write them into the book. What, what is Colby's Army? Tell us about it. Colby's Army is uh, it's a nonprofit organization that helps People with life challenges um, learn from the horse herd. They learn and grow and learn teamwork, trust, decision-making, respect, um, all of that from the horse herd. We also help uh, homeless people. Uh, we give them street supplies, backpacks filled with supplies that they need to, you know, to keep going. We also help them get housed through a, a cooperative of other nonprofits here in the Nashville area. We help people learn about animal welfare, and we also teach people about the environment. So we're, we're pretty busy. 
So if I donated right 300 bucks in the name of Scooter, I could get my pony in the book? Scooter could be in the book. He could be a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've already he isn't been, already. I've already been in a book, but Scooter hasn't been in a book. Scooter has not been no. in a book. So, so anybody who wants to be part of this mystery um, that takes place in rural Tennessee and you know, so the, the books are kind of funny, humorous, um, but my protagonist, uh, the main character, Kat Enright, uh, is a horse trainer, and she keeps stumbling over dead bodies. So, um, you know, she takes it upon herself to, to find out who the murderer is. So they're, they're fun books to write, and they're fun to be part of. And um, the, so far, the series has won five different awards, so it's really exciting. Now, tell, tell people where they can find them if they have not read them yet. They can find them in stores and online everywhere. Um, they can learn more on my website, which is lisawysaki.com. But any of the online sites, any of the major stores should have them. It, the first one is the Opium Equation. The second one is the Magnum Equation. And um, they're, they're pretty, pretty easy to track down. What kind of, I'm always interested in, in this, and I know I've probably asked you this before, and forgive me if I have, but what, what kind of writer are you? Do you write at night? I, I, you always hear these stories about you know, the, the eclectic, famous writers who have to hide out, out themselves out in a room in the middle of the mountains and don't come out for <laughs> weeks, or, or they write at 2 in the morning and they, don't, they drink all day. You know, what kind of writer are you? <laughs> Well, I write whenever I have a block of time that's maybe an hour along or more. And um, so I just try to schedule holes in my schedule because like everybody else, I'm, I do other things too. I'm busy. I, I train horses and I teach people to ride and I speak and, you know, um, co-host the show sometimes <laughs> when Helena is out, you know. So, um, so I'm busy, and, and, uh, but I love to write. It's my creative outlet. So usually I write in the morning. I have, I have to have no noise. I, a lot of people need, need music or something. I can't write when there's any noise going on. I have to be clear so that or everything has to be quiet so I can hear the voices in my head. And, um, and then I just, I just go, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, my fiction writing is um, not really planned at all. My nonfiction writing, I usually do an outline first. So I make sure I can cover everything so that the, I want to put into the, the book. The Enright books that you you know we were just talking about, you don't have an outline. You don't really know. I don't. What's, so you're living the story with us. I am living the story with my characters, absolutely. So Cat uh, Enright's voice just kind of comes into my head, and and off we go. And it's it's uh, it's an adventure because sometimes I don't even know what's going to happen. And uh, in in the second book, the Magnum Equation, there was kind of a relationship that developed between two secondary characters that I didn't even know about until like the end of the book. So that was fun. You know, we all hear voices. You just make money doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And I probably have more fun with my voices. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I'm disturbed by mine. So uh, yeah. uh, Yeah, so if anybody wants to be a, be part of this and be a character or have their horse in, they, they can just learn more at colbysarmy.org, or they can go to facebook.com slash colbysarmy, and there's, you know, more information. Very good. Or they can email me. It's lisainfo at comcast.net. Well, thank you for that, Lisa, and good luck with that. We Thanks. Can't, can't wait till the next book is out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun, and I, I'm, as I said, I'm really excited about uh, the Magnum Equation and the American Horse Publications Awards, and it's all full of great people at that conference, so I'm, I'm looking forward I've been, to seeing it. I've been to that conference before, not because I'm a writer, because they invited me uh, out of the kindness of their heart, but uh, uh, it, it is fun, and, and you know, the top talent in the equestrian uh, journalistic world is there. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Uh, all the magazine editors, all the publishers, all the freelancers, all the artists, the photographers, they're all there. So. And if you would think that at a conference like that, they're all the serious, you know, uh, librarian types. Oh, um, no. <laughs> no, this group can drink with the best of them, let me tell you. Oh, they, they have so much fun. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're taking a tour. It's in Charleston, South Carolina. So we're taking Which a carriage beautiful. ride tour of Charleston, you know, when we're there. And it's, it's just going to be fun. Well, good luck with that. We're, we're, let Thanks. us know how you make out. I will do that. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, we have a fun show planned for today. We have three guests coming up. We have Kat from Eat Your Tart Out with the recipe of the month. With a, with a, you know, I'm a good cook and I like to cook, but this is one. She's talking about something today I can't cook, so I'm I'm looking forward to trying the recipe. Then we have uh, our favorite 
excuse me, our favorite uh, animal wrangler on the show, Sammy Joe Stoller from Texas, who's been on the show many times about her zebras and her horses and her, her movie work and things like that. Well, she is coming back today to talk to us about, about camels, and we're going to learn about taking care of camels. So I think that should be, uh, that should be a good time. And also fire ants. I, I got to ask her about fire ants because she walks around barefoot all the time. And it, I, I don't, every picture you see her and she's barefoot, she lives in Texas, and I, I couldn't do it. I'd be eaten alive. So I got to ask her about yeah. that, too. <laughs> Other than she's been bit so many times, her feet have turned into leather. I'm not sure which. Um, Andrea McMillan is our third guest, who's a true inspiration, and, and we'll talk more about her a little bit later on in the show. And she has a, a fun Arabian named Scotty that we're going to talk about. But uh, all of that is coming up on today's show. Let's get started right after this commercial from Kentucky Performance Products with Kat from Eat Your Tart Out with the recipe of the month. You can count on Kentucky Performance Products to provide scientifically formulated, research-proven products that target specific challenges facing your horse. In the spring and summertime, one of those challenges is the heat. Horses sweat, and when they do, they lose critical electrolytes, electrolytes that play a major role in optimal performance. Loss of electrolytes can cause fatigue, muscle weakness, and dehydration. Horses offered supplemental electrolytes have less stress-related problems. They rebound from exercises sooner and return to feed quicker after exercise. Summer Games electrolytes from Kentucky Performance Products were developed for the elite athletes competing at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. Its research-proven formula replaces the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when horses sweat. Its concentrated low-sugar formula provides more electrolytes per dose than many leading brands. When your horse sweats, replenish his losses with Summer Games Electrolytes. Brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, helping you keep your horses healthy, sound, and competitive. Visit them at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Hi, Kat. Welcome back to the show. Well, hi, Glenn, and hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. Lisa doesn't cook, so she's going to tune out during this section. She's going to be over there doing work, cleaning stalls. Oh, no. I'm going to be all ears. I I want to cook. I'm just not good at it. Lisa, you're such a horse girl. (laughs) Well, that's what I feel like. A lot of horse people, they just don't have the time, especially when you get home at the end of the day. The last thing you want to do is slave away in front of a stove. You just want to kind of kick back with a bottle of wine, relax, and have food come to you at some point. So I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I, the, you, the recipe you're going to do today for this month is something that I have a difficulty with. And uh, Jennifer, my wife, doesn't cook very much either. There's two things that she'll make uh, because I suck at them, and that is one of them is meatloaf. And that's what we're going to talk about today because every time I make it, I'm not so good at following directions either, so um, it always comes out either too wet or too dry or ugh, it's just meatloaf, you know. So she makes the perfect meatloaf. So so I'm anxious to see this recipe if it's one I actually can do. Yeah, well, the one thing is like my husband's kind of the same thing. Like he loves he doesn't mind cooking, but with me in the kitchen, he kind of stays away. And one thing that he likes to cook is meatloaf, but. I just don't like meatloaf, and I never have, and he's been asking for a while if I wouldn't mind cooking it, and every time I do, it just, you know, I try and do something crazy, like I want quinoa, or I want turkey, or I want this, or I want that, and, you know, instead of just trying to come up with a traditional recipe for meatloaf, so I finally kind of sat down and went through, like, I don't know, like 50 recipes to find out what were the pros, the cons. I made a bunch of them. We had a ton of failures. The dog got a bunch, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> and I found that this recipe, finally, like when you stick to some simple procedures, you can do it with turkey. You can do it with ground beef. You can do it with ground pork if you really wanted to. You can add quinoa. And you can do a whole bunch of things, but there's some pretty standard procedures. The first one, obviously, is you need meat. So somebody like Jamie, this isn't going to really help out since she doesn't eat meat. Um But once you have your meat, you have to make sure that in order for it not to dry out, you have to have some sort of fat in there. So a lot of times when you're cooking with turkey and you're making a turkey meatloaf, 
it dries out really badly and you don't end up getting that nice full flavor and it just it tastes like a brick. It's not any good to eat. So I found a lot of ways what you can do is you end up soaking bread in milk and that helps to kind of one first thing that you do is so you're soaking your bread in your milk kind of helps loosen up the bread and so you can take some stale bread that you have on hand or just some old slices that you're not going to use up and for you Glenn this would work out because you can use gluten-free right whatever kind of carby bready crackery substance you want to use because again you can cater this to yourself you soak in milk that helps get the moisture absorbed helps break it down a little bit and adds a little bit of substance to your meat so i found that that soaking process which i know sounds weird works tremendously well like you can do cheez-its you can do crackers gluten-free it's works pretty well with just oh, about everything cheez-its would be so good cheez-its yeah. Oh, yeah 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 so you can really have fun with this and that's what i liked about it but i found that just that simple soaking process of the milk the milk helps whatever reason just to help keep moisture in and all that kind of good stuff it just works so that was our first like breakthrough and then the second thing is just you need something to bind it all together. Now, if you were just to add your carby, milky mixture to your meat, you're not going to get a lot of – it's not going to glue up and kind of stick together. So what I ended up doing is you just add a little eggs to kind of bind everything together, and then you add flavor. And I got that in the form of onions and carrots, just finely chopped up in a little bit of parsley and parmesan. Um, I like the flavors that came together with that, but obviously you can cater to whatever you want. If you're going to be using Cheez-Its, you probably don't need to use Parmesan cheese, but you can use different kind of other things, like you might do some crumbled bacon or bacon bits or things like that, you know, to play off of the other flavors that you're incorporating into your meatloaf. I like that you have carrots in there. Carrots are one thing that I use. I actually use carrots in my chili. and People Uh forget about carrots are sweet, and they really do provide that sweetness that you really don't get uh, in in the same way you do with carrots in anything else. Uh, So I like adding carrots in there. Yeah, I just found it flavors it. It's a subtle flavor. It has a little bit of, you know, sweetness to it and just helps round everything out a little bit better. And, again, you're adding more moisture to your mixture. Now, the one thing that I did notice is is that, like, the other major complaint with meatloaf is, is that usually it can be really greasy. Um, so the other thing you have to be sure is, is that if you are using ground beef, because most of the times if you're using pork or turkey, you won't have that issue with the extra fat added. But ground beef, nine times out of ten, is going to have a lot of fat in it. So you just want to choose something that's a little bit lower in fat or use a meatloaf pan. And those are pretty cool in that they're almost like a loaf pan fitted inside of a loaf pan, but the bottom of the inner loaf pan has holes in the bottom. And so what it does is it drains that grease out so you don't get this heavy grease-laden meatloaf, which is really kind of nice. Or what I saw the Pioneer Woman do, which she's kind of like after on my own heart as far as, you know, her being transplanted from the city into the country, Um, she takes it and just forms the loaf onto a cookie sheet, lines it with foil, puts the loaf on top of that, and the grease drips away onto the side. And you can, so it's more of a free-form loaf, but you can still do it that way so you don't get that heavy, just it's, you know, basically baking in grease. I never knew that. And for those of us who don't have a lot of cooking equipment, then we could just do it that way and not have to invest a lot of money into it, like a loaf pan. Exactly. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a loaf pan. I'm just looking at now now on, uh, on Amazon and... I have to get one of those now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot that we learned in this little experiment, but this is just what I say. It's my tasty, trusting meatloaf. It's a very basic recipe. So it's more of the traditional, but with a little cat flair to it. And it's, so it's not a huge departure from a traditional meatloaf, but at the same time, if you want to mix it up and start adding different flavors in, adding in a different meat and things like that, it's a very good base recipe to build upon and make your own. So, as, coming from a non-cook perspective, is this something you can mix up like in the morning and put in the refrigerator and then when you get back from the barn, you can just pop it into the oven? Absolutely, or, yeah. The only thing that you got to do is you just got to soak the meat, uh, the not the meat, you got to soak so. the milk in the carbs ahead of time. And that only takes about 10, 15 minutes. So that's like something like as you're brushing your teeth, you know, you just get that done. And then after you're done, you go back in, you mix up all the meat and stuff. You pack it in your um, pan or, you know, form it into your quote-unquote both on your cookie sheet and when you get right. home from the barn you crank that oven up and you throw it in there and it's that easy like that's why i like this recipe for horse people is because you can do it ahead of time or 
it's even with the prep work, it's 15 minutes of prep work. It's not a big deal. Now, Lisa, you do have to put it in the fridge during the day. Just clarifying that. Well, and that would also require that I have an oven, which I don't have. I don't have a stove. Oh, my God, girl. What is wrong with you? Well, I kept—I don't have a sense of smell, and I kept burning up my kitchen, so I just decided it wasn't a good thing for me to have a stove or an oven. <laughs> so the one fun—and I don't know, maybe you have a toaster oven, maybe? I do have a toaster oven, yes. Okay, so you, what, there's two things that I'm going to recommend for meatloaf, which I learned along the way, which is pretty cool. So one of the things is, is that I ended up making meatloaf cupcakes at one point, and you can put them in little Ooh. mini muffin tins. And so if you have a mini tin to put into your toaster oven, that would work really well, too. Um, I love like that issue. idea. Yeah, so it's fun because you can do individual sizes. You don't feel like you're eating these huge pieces. The hard part with the muffin pan is, is that there's no kind of release for the grease. So that's the one thing is you have to be aware of is if you are adding, like, a really full-fat ground beef, like a 20% or something, it's so going to cook turkey, in the grease. Should work, or turkey should work Absolutely. fine, right? Absolutely. Um, and the other thing is, is if you're a little bit hesitant when you're mixing up the spices and you're not sure how it's going to taste and you're like, you know, I don't want to waste the entire batch by cooking it and then trying it and say, oh my gosh, this thing sucks. A really good trick that I, or trick that I learned is that if you take like almost a small meatball size, you can flatten it into a patty or you can do it as a meatball itself. Get a skillet warmed up, add a little bit of oil and just fry it up as you would like a little mini hamburger and taste it. That way you can test it before you bake the entire loaf or all the muffins or the big loaf, you know, whatever you end up doing so that you can say, oh, I need more salt or I need a little bit more this or that. And that way you can test it out as you go along. Interesting. That's great. Well, wow. we're going to put yeah. the recipe on our show notes page at stablescoop.com. You can also find it at eatyourtart, that's T-A-R-T-E, out.com. And you'll find the tasty trusted meatloaf recipe there, and we'll try and post it on our Facebook page as well. Uh, you know, we always enjoy having you stop by. Now, you got to do something. You got to go finally on a honeymoon. I know. It was very exciting. We had tried so hard to do something, but the middle of winter is never any fun unless you're going somewhere warm. And so we were staying a little bit local, but we ended up going to Kansas City for the weekend. Just us. We dropped the puppy off at our uh, cousin's house. And so it was just us for the whole weekend. It was lovely. Now so we you... got to do the barbecue. And oh, yeah. Where'd you go? Did you go stuff. any place good? We went to a place called Oklahoma Joe's. And I the reason I picked this place, obviously, you know me, I'm going to do my research and find out what are the best places. And what I found that was really cool about this is originally this Oklahoma Joe's, they had just done the barbecue competition circuit. So they traveled all over before they even opened up a location. And when they finally did, you know, after they won all these accolades and awards and all this stuff, they opened up in a convenience store and like a gas station. So that little part where you go around for your drinks and chips and stuff that's where they open up this location. Well, now the gas station part is this one itty bitty little corner. They've blown out a whole wall. They've got seating in there, and it's literally in a gas station. It's the craziest thing. But we ended up going there and just, you know, Greg, we walked up, and there's a huge line, and he's like, are you kidding me? We just drove six hours, and now we have to stand in line for what seems like five more hours. Uh, So he... I said, I'm like, just bear with it. It'll go really quick. You won't notice. He's like, okay, I'll bear with you and it better be good. And he was like, can we do this again? This is so fun. So he and he enjoyed it. It was delicious. I'm, yeah. So I was glad we picked there. You know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma Joe's was done on uh, Man versus Food. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes, I Man versus Food. And I don't know what he ate. You know, he Man versus Food, he, they, I forget his name, but he would eat large quantities of whatever it was at that. So he must have ate a ton of uh, brisket or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But did you have the brisket? Brisket is one of my favorite foods in the whole world. And nobody, there are very few people in the world that can make it where it's still moist and doesn't taste like cardboard. Was Did you try it? I didn't try it because I think my life got shattered. Well, here's (laughs) there's a reason I didn't try it, and it's they were known for their ribs. So obviously, I tried the ribs; they were amazing, very very good. But I, as far as the brisket goes, I'm very much a fan of the dry rubs, and they Kansas City is more of a wet rub style. Yep. And so I opted, and I was just in the mood for chicken that day. So as much as I wanted the brisket, no, I didn't try it. But everybody had said the ribs are what you go for. So when I hear that, I usually don't try the brisket just because I want to try what they're known for. Now, 
the best brisket I've ever had was in Texas. We waited four and a half hours in line for this barbecue Whoa. place. Whoa. <laughs> it's called oh Franklin's Barbecue. And they are, I mean, nationally world-renowned. I mean, uh, in Austin, they? Texas. Uh-huh. And so I went to visit a friend, and she's like, we got to go here. They've, we've heard great things. I'm like, okay, whatever. So we get there at 8.30 in the morning. They don't open until like 11.30 or something. And I'm like looking at the line. I'm like, holy crow, this is ridiculous. Long line, but at the same time, what happens is that once they sell out of something, they're out. They're done. But it's become kind of a cult following to wait in line and hang out at Franklin's. And I was like, really, what is this all about? Like, I don't get it. We went there, and what they do is is that there's even a guy who comes. He rents out chairs to people who are waiting in line, so you can sit back, you can relax. It's like a tailgating endeavor, but you're just waiting in line. The servers come out from Franklin's before the place even opens to make sure everybody's got drinks, they sell beer, whatever you want. So, again, very much like tailgating. And the nice thing about what they do is they go through the line and ask you, what are you in the mood for? What are you going to have today? And then by the time they get back to, let's say, you, who's maybe two hours into the wait, they can say, all right, at this time, we're not going to have chicken. We're not going to have ribs. Are you okay with waiting in line? That way, you're not going to get up to the front of the line, realize they're out of what you wanted, and you're <laughs> going to get really angry. <laughs> so it's, But wow. now, since going there, I mean, all they do is they literally put salt and pepper on their brisket, and that's it. And then they just do whatever they do with the wood and the cooking procedures. And it is, I, I can't even describe it. Like, if I could have a last meal, that would be it. It's so unbelievably good. And every food magazine, every travel magazine, anybody who's written about food in Austin writes about this place because it is just so unbelievable. So I just, I don't want to take away from that experience. So I don't want to seem like a snob, but it was just so good that I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know where I've had the best brisket in my life? And you're going to laugh was not in the South. It was at a place called Tennessee barbecue in Beverly, Massachusetts on the North shore of Boston. Uh, and it's right across from the mall in Beverly and they made the moistest, bestest, bestest brisket I've ever had. And and I miss that place. I used to go there for lunch once a week because we lived near there and I used to go once Uh a week and it was just me and the brisket. Oh, so good. Oh, well, those days are gone. Can't find good brisket here. All right, enough food talk. Thank you, Kat. <laughs> you know, I'm hungry, too. Snee, now you did this to me this time, so thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. For All right, well, you guys take care. Thank you for having me. Eatyourtartout.com or eat your tart out on Facebook. Either one works. <laughs> well, next up, we have uh, one of our favorites back with uh, Sammy Joe, who is a zebra from zebraguru.com. She has zebras that jump and drive and all that kind of thing. She has a bunch of horses. Uh, She square dances. I love, love, love. She's one of my favorite people to follow on Facebook. She's always got stories of critters and snakes and these exotic bugs. She gets into everything. And, uh, you know, everybody that follows her loves it. We all get emotionally invested in our animals. And she's just so much fun. Today, she's going to talk to us about taking care of camels. Hi, Sammy Joe. Welcome to back to the show. Hello. And Hi. I, as I said in the introduction there, you've been a guest many, many times on almost all our shows here on the network. And, uh, you know, you've been playing a lot more with and showing a lot more pictures on your Facebook page of the camels. And I so I thought, well, it's about time that we get Camel 101 here on the Stable Scoop show. So tell us one, when you got the camels, how you got the camels, why you got the camels. Well, um, I've been working with camels for more than 10 years now, and um, I really got into them. Uh, I actually do not own any of the camels. They are my best friend, Jason's camel, which I've mentioned him quite a bit before. We yep. worked together in a lot of things. And um, he got uh, Butter, his main camel, with his, one of the zebras that he got as a buddy and was kind of hooked. And so... Uh, I get to work with all the camels without actually owning them, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's better for any animal, Sammy Joe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. My wife and I thought it was better for, as far as kids went, too. Um, it's, it's kind of like um, the only thing better than owning a boat is having a friend who owns a boat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us about the care and maintenance of camels. Um, they're actually not too difficult. Um, they have a few 
things that they're very specific about. Um, parasites, you really have to be careful about parasites with camels. And um, so we do a lot of fecal checks and making sure that they're good. And that's like the first thing. Anytime a camel's not feeling well, the first thing you do is do a parasite check. Um, but other than that, they're uh, fairly low maintenance. Um, you know, they eat just like a horse and um, pretty easy to care for. They're amazing animals, quite the personalities on them. So is there a difference between either the care or the training or the personality between a one-humped camel and a two-humped camel? Um, a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, the uh, gravy is, is uh, the one camel that is the two-humped and the Bactrian camel. And the difference, the main difference is that the Bactrians spit and the uh, Arabian camels do not. Oh. Um, oh. And it's much more fun because they vomit on you, which is so much more fun. Ugh. <laughs> but they can't actually do projectile and spit it on you. They just kind of drool it on you. It's great. Oh. That's <laughs> like worse than kids. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing that has such great personalities because camels are pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> they look stinky all the time. They stink. I mean, and when they get wet, it's kind of like if you imagine a wet dog on steroids, it's pretty bad. They stink. Now, do, do you ever, like, bathe a camel? Yes. Um, yeah, especially with Butter because she does um, some TV appearances and, and different things, and so she gets a lot of ass. Um, they take forever to dry in their winter coat, so we usually just bathe their legs and then brush the rest of her. Um, but camels, the females especially, they pee on their back legs as a cooling system. So to help cool themselves off, they are very efficient, so they're not going to waste any liquid that they can. So they pee on their back legs and it helps keep them cool. And the boys, they pee backwards, so they pee on their tail, and then they flip their tail around. So, you know, yet another reason it's a good thing they have good personalities, because they stink. Uh, <laughs> you know, nothing you have said here is enticing me to ever want a camel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, once, you, once you're around them... Um, they're so intelligent, and especially, like, Butter's the best. Um, I've been working with Butter for, I said, about 10 years. And she, uh, from the time she was a baby, just her personality, and they're so loving, and they want to touch you, and they want to be with you. And they're so much more personable than, like, a llama or an alpaca. They are much more friendly, and they just want to be in your pocket. And Butter's a prankster, so she loves to make people laugh. And any way that she can make somebody laugh, she will. So if we're in an event, everybody wants to take pictures with her. And her favorite thing to do is when she sees, like, a group of teenage girls, they all want to come over and take her pictures. So she will back off from the fence, and she won't let them talk, touch her. Well, then pretty soon they all turn their backs to her so they can get a group photo, and usually one of us will hold their cameras. Well, Butter will sneak up behind them and put her head right next to their ear, and they make this really loud, deep sound, and she will do it right in their ear. And, of course, all the girls squeal and jump and run off, and she just thinks it's hilarious. So that's one of her favorite planks, pranks. That is funny. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, she's super gentle, though. So she, I mean, it, she loves babies and, and little kids. So if you, uh, if there's a stroller or something, she will put her head down and put it right there. And she loves all the things that animals don't like about kids. So when they squeal and poke her and pull her hair and squeeze her lips, she loves it. She thinks that is so much fun. <laughs> now, what, what's the life expectancy of a camel? Um, you're looking around 50 years. Really? So much really? longer lived than a horse, yes. Wow. And are, are, do they use them, I mean, all the way up to old age? Yeah, you know, um, there's camels working in their 40s, and, and uh, there's certainly a lot of people that are much more educated than I am about camels, but um, they are much longer lived, and they're very efficient through their lives, uh, as long as they're cared for well, just like any others. Um in America, we tend to keep our camels too fat, which is no big surprise. Yeah, right. But, like everything else. Uh, yes. Yeah. And when you see camels in other parts of the world, like in Egypt, they just look like there's nothing there. They're so much skinnier than our camels, but that's the way they're naturally supposed to be. So I always complain that butter sumps is too fat because their saddle doesn't fit her very well. So, <laughs> so, so where do you get a camel saddle? Um, Jason actually spent a good part of last summer, um, he's doing lots of different filming projects, and he spent a good part of last summer in Egypt, and so he actually picked up um, a bunch of camel saddles from there. <laughs> and oh. so, 
there's a lot of different varieties of camel saddles, and the ones that are actually Egyptian saddles are so much more comfortable than anything else. They're really nice saddles. Well, now, so you ride them? Uh, Do you ride them? Yes. Do you give rides, or do you just have them for yourselves in the movies, or what? Um, We pretty much just have them for ourselves. We have done a few... more we do benefits for different people. So we don't actually do like rides as a commercial business, but we'll do fundraisers and, and stuff like that for different projects where we have done rides. So hmm. interesting. It, it's a lot of fun. Now, do you, oh, yeah. do, what do they eat? What's a camel eat in a day? And they are generally they're browsers. So they, they do like leaves and things a lot more leaves and brush and sticks and all sorts of things that you wouldn't think that would be tasty, but we just, keep around bales of hay out, and so they are mainly eat hay. But they keep all the trees trimmed at Camel Height. <laughs> <laughs> and if you let them close to any trees, they're going to be grabbing leaves off of them. Um, we have, keep lots of salts in front of them, and then we give them different kinds of pellet mix and, and uh, different things like that for them, too. So, Now, do you have to have special fencing, or, or like will horse fencing suffice for a camel? Uh, depending on the camel, most of the time you don't need anything too special. Um, our fences are big because we've got other animals that need big fences. But I've seen camels in, you know, very low fences too, and they do just fine. So it depends on if you've got a pushy camel, then you're going to need a bigger fence. Um, but if they're pretty content where they are, they're going to stay. So next, last time we talked, okay, so let's take an inventory here. Last time you owned zebras. Uh, water buffalo, uh, horses, many more than I thought you had. Uh, until I saw the picture of all the horses out there, I thought you had like three or four. Uh, uh, you're, you're getting into see. collector territory now, Sammy Jo. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I've actually had them all along. It's just that I don't post a lot of those. So I've got a lot of them. They each have their job, and I do trail rides. Like a bunch of friends and things get together, and we all do trail rides. And then I've got to have a driving horse, and then I've got to have, you know, I've got a couple of old ones that are just retirees that just hang out. <laughs> they go for rides occasionally, but other other than that, they just sit around and eat and look pretty. <laughs> now, you know we love you. And I got to ask you about the camels, though. Do they drive? Can they drive? they ever drive? They can drive. Yeah. Um, ours don't. Uh, we've not done any driving with them. But, yes, camels are very efficient drivers as well. What do you do? What? I mean, you have longer shafts or... Do, I, what kind of harness yeah, do you get for a camel? A number of different, <laughs> there's a number of different setups. And, and what's interesting is, depending on the parts of the world you go to, everything from, you know, obviously the, uh, Australia's actually got more wild camels than anywhere else in the world does. Um, but there are different systems everywhere you go. So some places in America have certain systems. Some drive with uh, bits, some with just a halter. Some of them use a nose peg. Um, different kinds of harness systems, there is everything under the sun. Hmm. Well, what kind of vehicle? So, because I would think that the camel would be taller than the horse, so you'd have to have a vehicle that would be taller. Is that right? Um, not necessarily. If, if you look in Egypt, uh, it's it's kind of funny because sometimes it's just ramshackle stuff just kind of thrown together and whatever bits of leather or rope or whatever they can put together to form a harness. So some of it doesn't even look like it should ought to be, but that's what they use every day. So... Uh, it, there's uh-huh. not really any one system. There is a lot of different configurations, and you pretty yeah, much no. just How do tall? what works best for you. How tall is is a typical camel? Um, Butter is right now eight foot tall at her hump. Oh my! So goodness. at the top of her hump, and that's where where I sit when I ride my Egyptian saddle. I am right at eight feet tall, and you feel like you're nine miles up there. You are you're up there, and there's a lot of movement goes up on on top of there. Uh, the bulls will get a little bit bigger, so uh, the trailer has to be, uh, her trailer is actually that has the top cut off, and then we added another 18 inches in height on the trailer. Oh, jeez. So that she can fit <laughs> wow. in it. So, so we can fit in a big bull camel in our trailer, too. So they're big animals. Okay, now I know we're going to run out of time here, and I, I just I have another question. I need a piece of advice. And Sammy Joe lives about an hour north of Houston in Texas, and I do know you have fire ants down there. 
Oh, we, yes. We have tons of fire ants here in Florida, in central Florida. And you are never in shoes. You know, I bust on Wendy, never. my co-host for the driving show, for wearing flip-flops everywhere. And you make her look like, you know, she, she's uh, fully clothed. Um, <laughs> you're always in bare feet. How, and every time I wear flip-flops at the farm here in Florida, I get 25 ant bites on my feet. How do you not get bitten alive barefoot? Um, I will occasionally get ant bites. I mean, I'll get a couple of them every day, but um, I'm pretty careful about where I go. And on my place, I'm really kind of picky. I try not to use any kind of chemicals or poisons that I can help, um, but I do poison the fire ants. So I will go around and I'm pretty diligent about getting those. I mean, no matter how much you do, there's going to be fire ants because... Well, what we found is we use the poison stuff that you get at like the hardware store. We get uh -huh. we use the poison stuff, but then they move two feet over. It doesn't kill yes, them; they, they just move. <laughs> you pretty much just keep harassing them until they move far enough away from your house that you're content. But other than that, there's really nothing to do. So um, I don't know why it is. I've got a uh, uh, intern roommate living with me, and she. Um, just has these huge allergic reactions and she wants to go barefoot all the time too and she'll get bitten by one fire ant and her foot will swell twice the size it should be so i don't know how i avoid them but i usually don't get bitten by them and for anybody that lives in the northern part you probably have them where you are too in tennessee right Absolutely, yeah. yeah. For anybody who lives in the northern part, if you've never been bit by a fire ant, it hurts for a week. I mean, it's not just like you get stung by a bee and the next day it hurts a little and then it goes away. It literally itches and scratches and hurts for a week. Do you have any magic yes. formula you use on them? For me, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea. I guess I'm kind of immune to it by now. I mean, they still hurt when they bite, but I don't have any kind of reaction to them. And I guess from walking around getting bit so many times that it doesn't bother me. And, and I can walk right through poison ivy also, and, and not a problem. Wow. <laughs> Skin of iron. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's your body chemistry, too, because, you know, like some people don't, mosquitoes just don't like them, and other times they just swarm around other people. I think it's the same with right. fire ants. And yeah. I'm, I'm one of those that gets all the mosquitoes, all the flies, and I wore flip-flops last week, went outside, I don't know where I got the fire ant nest, but I did. I had 15 bites on the one oh. foot. And I literally that first night wanted to cut my foot off. I was laying in bed oh. wanting to cut my foot off because I just, you know, they, I, I'm like your roommate there. So, yeah. like, ugh. so now it's like boots everywhere I go on the farm. No bare wow. feet for me. <laughs> Rubbing alcohol on the bites, that helps. Yeah. Ugh, it's awful. You know what we found yeah, works really well, too, is Ivarest. Uh, poison yeah. ivy medicine because I guess yeah. it takes the sting out, you know. Um, but uh -huh. well, I, that's a, there's a conversation you didn't think you'd have today, Sammy Joe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, these fire—they're so bad. And poor Wilson, my water buffalo, um, he is really sensitive to fly bites and and ant bites and everything, and so he will end up with huge hives all over him if he accidentally lays near fire uh. ants. So they just get him. It's so bad. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but when our horses accidentally roll in the fire ant nest, you you know it because they take off and they bolt. Oh, they just oh, yes. run and run and run, and we're going up oh, fire ants. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, and the same with the camels; they're very sensitive to the fire ants, also. And so, uh, butter is one of the only camels. Um, actually, I think she is the only camel in the United States um, who has allergies, and she's Aww. allergic to everything. And so her hair starts falling out. So she actually has. Aww. Um, an allergy medication. We give her a shot every week, and it's like manufactured somewhere in New York, and um, they have to do like a huge combination of stuff for her allergy shots. <laughs> She's a little spoiled. Oh, poor thing. Poor thing. <laughs> well, Sammy Joe, this has been fun. Real quickly, you talked about Wilson, your water buffalo, and a lot of our listeners, as you know, follow you on Facebook and you know keep an eye on Sammy Joe and what's up. And Wilson had a fever. And it was it was the drama of the of the week. Um, oh, it was. <laughs> and Wilson ended up with all these ice packs all over him and heading off to the vet. And uh, how did Wilson make out? And did you ever determine what it was? Well, we never figured out exactly what it was. What we think was he just um, it was just heat exhaustion. Uh, and water buffalo are surprisingly more susceptible to it than cattle because they have uh, one sixth the amount of sweat glands than a normal cow does. And their blood vessels are larger and closer to the surface of the skin than the cow. And the reason is is because normally they're rolling in mud all day, and that helps keep them cool. 
so it was like the first hot day we'd had all year. And he laid out in the sun and enjoyed the sun too much. So I set up a misting system, and now he's got himself a little bog that he rolls in. And so he's much better. Even though he's been out in it for five years, for some reason this year it just really got him. So I'm really glad that's all it was and that he's all better. <laughs> and as usual, right, Lisa, the the water buffalo has a misting system and the human does not. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a pretty nice setup too that he's got. <laughs> you deliver well, so your hay morning and night with him. What'd you do? Did you have to hook up one of the zebras? Um, no, I have a, a little hand cart, and me and uh, I, that was actually the first day that my intern moved in, and she literally pulled in the driveway as I was starting to uh, get some ice packs and stuff on Wilson, and so she didn't even unpack her things and. Uh, move in. She went straight to it, and all night long, she and one of Jason's uh, interns were uh, helping cool him off all night. So it was an introduction to the farm. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Wow. Welcome. Wow. I'm glad he's better. I bet he's glad he's better, too. Yeah, definitely. But I I had her help to help me uh, pack hay out uh, you know, it's a lot more work to do it by hand, but it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Well, we're going to let you go, Sammy Joe. Thank you so much for joining All us. Right. And give out the website address. Um, it's zebraguru.com. Zebraguru.com. And if you find Sammy Joe on Facebook, uh, you've got to check out under her notes section on Facebook, you have to check out a step by step guide to chores on the farm. <laughs> very funny. That was very funny, by the way. Uh, it's so. very true. <laughs> It was so cute. And and uh, and I, I could relate to it because I have ADD, severe ADD. So that whole thing, just I just related to that whole poem. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, it was good. Very All distractible. Right. <laughs> thank you, Sammy Joe. All right. Okay, thank well. you. Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships, and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad, and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. Next up is Andrea McMillan. She is a Utah cancer survivor, and she's headed to the Arabian Nationals with her horse, Scotty. And Scotty is this lifetime horse, this once-in-a-lifetime personality, and she and he have just bonded. And so many times, you know, we get a challenge in our life, and it interrupts our dreams and goals, and Andrea has just powered through that, and she is going full tilt, and I'm just so excited to talk to her. Andrea, hi. hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm great. Glenn's great. And, you know, I am so inspired by your story. And uh, we're going to let you tell the listeners uh, here in just a minute. But, I mean, a lot of times when you get challenges in your life, a lot of people just give up or they put their dreams and goals on hold. And you have just powered right through everything and are going 100% towards your dream. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm just so in awe of that. Tell us a little bit about your story. Do you want the beginning or the halfway or the whole thing? Just briefly, you know, just just the the, the three-minute version, and then we can can just chit-chat, you know. Okay. Well, um, I've been riding horses since I was about eight. Um, I've I've competed nationally and up in Canada with my old show horse, and when I was in college, we ended up retiring kind of about the same time my mom passed away. And then I did the family thing for a while, and then 
In 2008, I moved here to Utah from California, and I got back into horses. Um, and I purchased, Scotty was my first re- really show horse after my old horse got retired and everything. So I and bought Scotty him seems in, to be. Scotty seems to be one of these horses that's we've all had this horse of a lifetime, and he seems to be yeah. one of those horses. He just he he wasn't. I mean, I bought him, and everyone said, "Oh, he's never going to do well. He's just little. He's stubborn. He's lazier than lazy." <laughs> um, one, one of the girls goes, "Oh, he's selectively lazy," and I know exactly what she means. I mean, I mean, it's 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 he's hilarious, but he's he knows his job. He takes care of you and. I mean, the experience I had with him last summer was just amazing. Oh, I remarried in um, 2000 and I believe 12. Um, and I had had like just a biopsy before. Um, and they they did find some cancerous cells, but they I had a tumor that they had been watching for about six months. And we had scheduled a biopsy in November. So August, I get married. November, I went in to have the biopsy done and it came back cancerous so um it was kind of one of those i got my lab results i'm sitting at work going okay breathe (laughs) (laughs) i mean it wasn't one of those i didn't really have that life flashing before my eyes you know um i work in oncology now and my my supervisor was like go call your dad so i call my dad first word out of his mouth is when you start chemotherapy i'm like i don't know (laughs) but your, your dream always was to show Scotty, correct? And and yeah. did, were you thinking that this was going to maybe um, I, interrupt that? I thought it would. I what I really didn't know what was at that point was what is this going to do to me? What are you know what, what's you know here here I have this like life changing moment, and then seeing her going, I have all this stuff planned. You know, I had already given and the trainer had been with at the time. These are my goals for next year. You know, and he had his whole show schedules worked out and everything and I'm just going great it's November. Was, was there a point where you made a conscious decision to say cancer's not going to take over my life I'm going to I'm going to go for this this is what I've been wanting yeah, all my life. Basically yeah basically um I kind of had that in my brain from day one um I had watched my mom about 20 years about yeah 20 years ago this year uh go through breast cancer herself and just what it did to her emotionally and physically. And we've just advanced so much with our medical procedures and the treatment that I skatewalked through it. I had a really easy time. Um, I had a bilateral mastectomy. I was writing three weeks after my surgery. Oh, wow. I went to work. We did it over Christmas because I had a ton of PTO and we did it over the holidays, so I had extra time. Um, I went to work the day after New Year's and my surgery had been on the 22nd and I had, I've never had any pain, none. See, I think, I think so many people, pain or not, I mean, so many people would just want to sit back on the couch and just, just, you know, play the victim. And it's so easy to do that. I think we've all been sick and and had, had, it's very easy and you just didn't do that. That's what's so inspiring to me. "Ah." I went, uh, I had three rounds of chemo. I was supposed to have four, um, and we only did three because I was having problems with uh, water retention. My last treatment was at the end of March. I went to a horse show two weeks later. Wow. Now, how did, how did Scotty help you get through this? He just, he's one of those horses, you say his name, he responds, he's happy, he's perky, he's just, I mean, he's like a cute little bug. I mean, he just loves you, and it's just, it's unconditional, you know. He doesn't, I mean, I, I got on him first out of all my horses because I knew I could trust him, and he just took care of me. Um, even at the shows, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of energy. I'd get halfway through my class and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die, but he just would keep going. You know, he knew what he had to do. He had to take care of me. And, I mean, we just, it was very, very, very amazing experience. I think horses know when, when their human people are, you know, have, have problems and they, they yeah. step up to fill that void. And it sounds like that's exactly what Scotty did. Yeah, it's totally what he did. Um, we competed at regional championships in June last year. And I had forgotten how long the classes were compared to a regular show. And I was 
dying halfway through the class. I mean, I, my husband taped my last class and you can just see it. I'm just like wiped out. And he just, he just turned around and he basically took the reins and was like, I know what to do, you know, and we made it, you know, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't get Love a top, we didn't get an award, but you know what? That ride is worth more than anything in the world, you know? And that's what it's about. Just, it's about, it's about improving yeah. what, your last outing and it's about, you know, mm-hmm. setting a personal goal. And if your goal was just to get through the class, I mean, that's, that's amazing yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. And he's just, he's an amazing little horse. I, you know, these are horses that you, you stumble upon and, you know, I, I had people offering to buy him. I'm like, no, he's not for sale. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'd come home to revoking children <laughs> and a husband, you know, he's very well loved and he knows it. He really knows it. Yeah. Well, now, now you, you ha- also, I was gonna say, in addition to Scotty, you also have um, an interest in all things medieval, correct? Yes. Yes. I am. Uh, I, my undergraduate degree is in medieval studies. Um, I went to university of California Davis. Um, and then I am right now in the process of trying to go back and get back into graduate school and do my master's um, in England. So I have a couple schools picked out there that I'm trying to get into. Uh, wow. University of, yeah, University of Reading. I, I'm working on their application now. Oxford, I just shipped them off for an advanced degree program. Wow. And then... Um, yeah, I'm sitting there. I hope she's accept me. Well, I got to <laughs> tell you, history grades. <laughs> I felt uh, at home when I went to your webpage. We we owned an acting company for ten uh-huh. years that did medieval feasts. We kind of uh-huh. did a Benny Hill version, but I played a. I actually played a king for ten years. So, oh, wow. uh, I still tell people I I miss that uh, people bowing to me thing. But um, that explains a lot, Glenn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We did uh, about four hundred and fifty shows over ten years, and, oh, wow. and it was a lot of fun, and we had a great time with it. Now we, you know, we were a comedy show, and we did all improv mm-hmm. theater and stuff. But but it was uh, a lot of fun, and it's a period. Of, my wife and I met at the Renaissance Fair in Pennsylvania, so that. Tells or something. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, so when I read, and you're writing a book too, right? Yes, I'm writing a book right now um, about Richard III. Um, I'm actually a distant cousin of his um, through my mother's family, oh. um, which I found out this last year, which was kind of weird. So I've been, I, but I had started kind of the book beforehand because a lot of, you see, when you go to the bookstore, everything is so just scholarly. And I have a lot of friends who are just, they're not history people. So I'm kind of turning it down so they can understand it. So it'd be kind of well, he's kind of he's kind of a hot topic right now, isn't he? Because didn't they just recently find his body? Yes, uh, that was done in 2012. Yep, that's right. Okay. In the parking lot. Yeah, and yes, in the parking <laughs> under lot. under a parking lot. Under the car park, and yeah. then they um they just they had a whole big court spiel, and he's going to be buried in Atlanta, which is one of the universities I'm applying for as well, and um. I found one of like my quote unquote family members too um, via the internet. So in a couple months, I'm heading out to England and we're going to go meet up and check everything out. They're building a whole new museum, everything. It's going to be amazing. Why'd so, you pick him? And are you writing it as a sort of a biography or are you writing it as nonfiction of, or what? It's biography more, um, okay. non- nonfiction. Um, not really. And then there's going to be at the very end, I'm doing a. Um, a piece where it's more like interviewing people today on what we can do about his reputation because it kind of got destroyed by the Tudors. And as much as I love Shakespeare, Shakespeare's portrayal wasn't exactly well, and you know, you know what's interesting about that is uh, Richard the Third only ruled uh-huh. for two years. Yet he's he one ruled of the, for two years. He's yeah. one of the kings and, that we know a lot about, thanks to Shakespeare. So it's like, yes. yeah, <laughs> I know, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't, I think. Part of the reason why I've I decided to write about it is he has this kind of aura and mystery about him. He was a king for two years. We know a lot about him, but we don't. Um, we know what we've been told by other people. You know, no one's really analyzed the whole big picture, which is what I've been working on with my book. Is a big picture. You know, he made these decisions because X, Y, and Z. Um, I talk a little bit about the princes of the tower and then how he as everyone says stole the crown from edward's son which he kind of didn't because parliament said we need you to be king we are tired of 
children kings and our country is going down the tube, you know. Um, so, I mean, it's really interesting when you dig into the nitty-gritty and see what's happening at that time. I mean, the country was in turmoil, you know. So, so is Scotty going to get to go to England with you? Uh, not this trip. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to take him. I, I, I don't. I'm not sure how to buy a horse passport. <laughs> I'm sure uh, UCEF would know what to do, but I know it's probably over my budget. <laughs> well, now, you are going to get to bring him somewhere, though, in September. Tell us about that. Yes. He is going to go up to Idaho, which we've been a couple times before. That's where the U.S. Horse National is. Um, the Arabian horses, the Arabian industry has a total of four national events every year. So we have the youth, which is in July. We have Sport Horse in December, Canadian Nationals in August, and the U.S.-U.S. Um, main ring in October. Yes, it's October in Oklahoma. Um, we're doing the Sport Horse. It's closer. It's kind of geared towards what I want to do with him right now. Um, and I, I think we actually have a shot at getting a prize. Now, is, um, it, is it Hunter? What do you, what, what do, you do yes, with him? I do Hunter, which... Um, Hunter Pleasure, and then Hunter Under Saddle, which is all flat work, and then I'll be doing an in-hand craft, which is kind of, we do a pattern. It's a little similar to what the quarter horses do, but it's not Arabian halter where we run them around, per se. They actually have to listen to you. Oh, and they actually and yeah. they actually have feet, and they're, they can pick their heads up off the ground? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just- yes. Sorry, quarter yeah, horse people. <laughs> he, he's not a peanut roller. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so he travels more like a, I would say, a little, a little bit of a dressage horse type. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have a lot of knee like some of these, the country saddlebreds, which is, we've had a little bit of a rough time in Hunter Pleasure, which is more mainering because they've taught the horses to bring those knees up way high, and he's, he's half paint, so he's like, you're right. <laughs> You know, he's going up against these really large half uh, carriage horses and half saddlebreds, and sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating. But we we keep going. You know. Well, so. we, we uh, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to. You were raising uh, money uh, to try yes. and get out to uh, to the nationals, and how's that yes. going? Um, it's kind of not. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it yesterday, and it's like you know, I, I've been getting views. But nobody seems to be donating. So I'm like, hmm, marketing strategy with my with my agent. Um, I just don't know if we're hitting the right audiences right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of... It's tough, too, because there's so many tough. people doing that now. Yeah, uh, there's a like... lot of people doing it. And I, and I have a couple people, even in the entertainment industry, that I know. I'm like, just read my story and retweet it, you know, or on Twitter and on Facebook. And I'm wondering if people are just looking, not reading, you know, not... Look, not looking at the bottom line because basically it's, you know, I got, I had um, Horseman's Distress Fund help us when I got sick. And then at the same time, we had a drunk driver go through our house. What? And yes, it was crazy. So we just, I mean, it just burned through our savings. So, you know, they helped, but I mean, I still have medical bills. I got it. No, you know, you, my God, girl, Andrea, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you had cancer. You've had a yeah. drunk driver drive through your house, which is not something, by the way, that happens to no. too many people. No, um, I mean, that's what we thought. <laughs> we're like, wait a minute. And the funny thing is, we never even showed up on the news. <laughs> we're like, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently, wherever you live, it happens a lot. Um, <laughs> a lot of weird stuff happens here yeah. in Utah. Yeah. And then you, you, have a, you have a child with autism, right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. My oldest has autism. So yeah. medical bills out there, and yet you're still pursuing all of these things, right, in the book? Yeah, and, I'm, and still, I'm still going guns loaded, you know. Where can people find <laughs> your uh, donation page? Um, it's on GoFundMe. Okay. And what do they um, search for? Uh, just look for Andy and Scotty. Uh, the tagline, I think, is help Andy and Scotty go to national. Help Andy and Scott. We'll put a link to that in our show notes as well at StableScoop.com and also on our Facebook page. Good luck with it. Thank you for joining us. You are an inspiration. You are an inspiration. Thank you. Keep going, girl. Hey, if you ever need a king, if you ever need a king, uh, you know, uh, let me know, okay? Okay, I will. I still have my costume. Yay. (laughs) All right, Andrea, thanks. Okay, thank you. Bye. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today. I really appreciate you filling in for Helena this week. 
Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a lot of fun. Helena will be back next week. As I said, we're doing our Getting to Know the Host segment on all the shows next week. So uh, that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about my hosts, and I've, I've been talking to them for years. So it's, uh, if you want to have some fun next week, tune into any of the shows and listen to the uh, Getting to Know the Host segments. You can find our app. You can just go to the iOS or Android app store, search for Horse Radio Network. It's free. It's easy to use. It's probably the best, easiest way to listen to shows. Uh, and also, all the notes from today's show, all the links that uh, we talked about on our, are on our show notes at StableScoop.com. And, of course, you can find Lisa at... LisaWysocki.com, and I'm also on Facebook at Lisa Wysocki, or Facebook.com slash Lisa Wysocki, on Twitter at Lisa Wysocki, and um, also on Facebook at The Power of a Whisper. That's my horse Facebook site. And that's W-Y-S-O-C-K-Y, right? Absolutely, yes. W-Y-S-O-C-K-Y. Yeah, the story is my great-grandfather got mad at his brothers and changed the I to a Y at the end, so... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Was it Polish before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's still Polish, but it's got a Y at the end. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Lisa. Everybody, we'll be talking to you again next week. Have a terrific week. Be safe. Wear your helmets.